0: Welcome to And In A Pod, a Star Trek podcast where we discuss fashion, feminism, subtext and subspace, hosted by Annika and Liz. Today we're discussing the Star Trek, the original series episode, Space Seed. Uh, first of all, I have a confession to make. I watched Space Seed last year, a few months ago, and so I didn't watch it again for this episode. So. What? I know. You just You just remembered? I don't know how to put this. I've seen Space Seed many times. Okay. I did re-watch it mm-hmm. recently,
1: this week, because I only had vague recollections. It, I it was like, I know the plot, and I know what happens, mm-hmm. and who these people are, and what they look like. But I definitely needed to re-watch, because I forgotten all the character beats.
0: No, I understand. I was going to rewatch it. <laughs> I was just so busy. And then I got distracted by this terrible, amazing Paramount Plus series about a manufactured Australian pop group in 1999. Suffice to say, <laughs> rewatching an episode of Star Trek that I don't really love and that I've seen quite recently, didn't seem that appealing. Not even for you.
1: I got to put Stacey
0: in my weekly TV recaps, so that that was fun. So let's get the elephant in the room out of the way first. This episode is super racist. I I don't think that's a radical- In many ways. No,
1: I think that they knew that in 1967. Mm. But I mean, there's the behind the scenes racism and the in front of the scenes racism. They do you make a point of saying that all races are represented or something mm. like
0: that? Which is a step that the Wrath of Khan did not bother with, you know. In Wrath of Khan all of his <laughs> followers are blonde haired, blue eyed, Aryan white people. Yeah, Aryan. <laughs> very,
1: very Aryan. I, I guess I'm glad they include that line. Yes. It was it was a choice. Mm. It was a choice mm. to make Khan a Sikh. Yes. I think they used the word. Yes, they did. And it was also a choice to cast not (laughs) any Asian.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I definitely think that even now, like this South Asian man is incredibly sexy and powerful and charismatic would be kind of progressive, like... South Asian men are so often yeah South Asian men desexualized kind of if they are in any way sexual it's depicted in a creepy way yeah I was gonna say they're either
1: depicted as asexual or as extremely sexual or everybody like finds them beautiful mm. yeah in that yeah. kind
0: of disturbing way where you're, it's like a plot point that yeah. everybody wants them you're either naveen andrews or sunny balwani yeah yeah so yes and i was it
1: was just like you, you could have
0: not <laughs> made him south asian right that, that that would have been the best option hey the best actor for the role is ricardo Montelbound. let's just tweak the script a little to make the character mexican
1: yeah it, it's not
0: hard yeah, I definitely I mean, think but, that a sexy predatory Mexican hits very differently in in, in the sixties and now. Yeah, well, I was gonna say that I think it compounds everything that
1: my impression of I was gonna say in the sixties, but no, now this certain group of Americans mm. can't imagine a Mexican man as super intelligent
0: yeah that's very true which is just more racism is what they are saying but there is actually no way to do this that's not racist because i think this is a (laughs) fundamental flaw in the script you know this man from the past is so (laughs) sexy and exotic and charismatic not like the milk toast soy boy cucks of the 2260s who are represented by Captain Kirk, Mm, mm. which is bizarro world. (laughs) Oh, I think it's a really fascinating insight into what Kirk was intended to be versus what he evolved Mm. into. Because one thing that really struck me when I was rewatching season one last year is that Kirk was that 1960s version of non-toxic masculinity. He drinks his Respect Women juice. He tells Charlie X not to pursue women who aren't interested in him. He is a really good male character. He's just a very dated version of that character. And really nothing revolutionary is happening with Pike, except that Pike is written in the 2020s, not the 1960s. Right. And so, yes, compared with Khan, Kirk is, you know... (laughs) <laughs> it's just, he's a bit yeah, of a I, beta.
1: I should start the episode by saying I don't like this episode oh
0: no no not at all <laughs> this episode is bad <laughs> even structurally the final third <laughs> of the episode is a completely random courtroom drama I mean can you it's... imagine if Discovery tried to pull that now the fanboys would be furious but Rafa Khan isn't my favourite film either so I think it's a very good (laughs) film but the things that I like about Wrath of Khan don't seem to be the things that people who make Star Trek like about Wrath of Khan I think it's a
1: structurally smart story Yeah, Wrath of Khan, it all makes sense within itself Mm. and relates to the characters and they are allowed to grow Mm. because these are characters that we knew 20 years ago So I think it's a good film and might be, barring the modern ones, the best. Mm. But it's still a revenge plot. (laughs) I I don't like Moby Dick either, so. I don't have a favorite Star Trek movie, my favorite Star Trek movie is Star Trek Beyond.
0: That's fair Mm -hmm. and that's a really good choice. Anyway, uh, I have a new question, why are there so many women in Star Trek named Marla? Have you ever met a Marla in real life? I've never met a Marla.
1: No. I've been thinking, and it's, I don't think it's very popular. No. And it feels kind of old fashioned.
0: So I guess that's. When I hear the name Marla, I picture like the mum in a 1970s sitcom with that sort of bowl perm and a thick turtleneck sweater and a vest. Right. It's a, but it's
1: interesting because you said there were four Marlas mm. listed on, on Memory Alpha. And I was like, okay, let me find out who the Marlas are. Yep. Marla McGivers, who's in this episode, has the biggest role. Yes. The second biggest being Marley Gilmore, who's <laughs> from Equinox. Yes. And then there are two Marlas who we don't actually meet because they're dead mm, by mm. the time their episode airs. There's Marla Finn, who is in that bad seventh season TNG episode about oh, a yeah. murder with a love triangle <laughs> and is having visions anyway. So mm, there's mm. that dead Marla who is having a relationship with two men at once. Then there's Marla Astor, who is Jeremy Astor's dead mother, Mm. who is just a random security person on the Enterprise and we don't learn anything about her. But based on the other three Marlas, I assume that she's very problematic.
0: (laughs) I've never met a Marla, I think it's a nice name, but it seems like a name that only exists in television of a certain era. And apparently that era is the 60s through to the uh, 90s. Yes. It made me think of the infamous
1: Marthas of DC Comics. Oh, yes. And how angelic they are mm, and, mm. and perfectly good The those uh, Superman and Batman's moms are. And so I was like, these are like the, uh, you know, the Mirror Universe <laughs> versions of the Marthas are the Marlas. So that's, yes. that's where I went with it mm. in a very... Annika
0: type way. No, no. I was also thinking (laughs) that the quote-unquote Captain's Woman in Mirror, Mirror is a Marlene. And I actually wonder, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because this started in the 60s, is this a derivative of Marlene, as in Marlene Dietrich, as in an older woman who sort of appears in Hollywood already with a past, she could never play an ingenue, she has a complicated and controversial sexual identity... I think Marla feels like a softened TV-friendly version of Marlene. hmm mm-hmm. A little bit twisted. A little bit twisted. Speaking of, how many serial killers do we think Marlene McGivers has written to in prison? I mean, it's the future, mm. <laughs> so she can do full-on like recordings. Yeah.
1: In her quarters, full of <laughs> past buff men mm. that she. Faints, You know, there's
0: something really wrong with Marla. Oh Timber. my gosh. I was thinking <laughs> yesterday, there are not many women in Star Trek that I dislike. You know, we have a whole series of episodes about how Kai Wynn deserves a better reputation. I hate Marla McGivers. I think she is a bad person. But I think she is a bad person in a really... Quite interesting way in twenty twenty four where we have the Tradwife movement and you know the women who want to be the andrew Tate high value woman, and I think Marla was ahead of and behind her time. It's really scary, yeah, when you said that, I was like, no,
1: because yes, she's lost in the past in this idealized mm. version mm. of romance in all ways both as a relationship and as an aesthetic mm. and she's she instantly is like this man mm. might be dying <laughs> but he, he is mine and then he's evil and she don't care <laughs> and i think it's more of an attraction to her
0: I, I think that's definitely it you know you have the twitter accounts with the roman statue Avatar, and that's always a red flag because they're always going on about how you know ancient cultures were superior and men were real men and art was real art, not this degenerate modern art stuff. That is the kind of fascist that Marlon McGivers is. Yes.
1: So, so yes. So, you answer your question: How many serial killers is the Marlon McGivers a pen pal to? So I'm hopeful that there are fewer serial killers and that if she started writing to them someone would notice that Mm. something because there were fewer prisoners and there are better people in charge they would you know realize that maybe marlon mcgibbers is not the best person to be writing to them and they would intervene and then she wouldn't have the opportunity to you know accidentally get serial <laughs> killers released so mm. that they can go kill some more people
0: i mean she um, kind of is the harley quinn of star trek just without yeah. with much less personality and less sympathetic and less gay other
1: than that yeah but Look, no on a, on a superficial level she absolutely is mm.
0: it's really interesting to me that you have this this character who she's around these days in real life you know there are tried wife, tiktoks and all of that but mostly she exists in the fantasies of right-wing men but I'm, I'm very impressed by how writing in 1967 the star trek team anticipated this particular brand of fascism mm-hmm. which starfleet didn't like it's... she's a starfleet officer she's on on a major <laughs> ship there were no red flags yeah yeah she's the ship's historian. Mm. And, I, and
1: you know, Kirk is sort of like, uh, ha ha, let's give our ship's historian mm. something to do. So she doesn't actually have a, a duty. She to, like, seems roster. to have a lot of time to
0: paint. Enough.
1: A lot. Yes. She has a lot of time to paint. She has a lot of time to think about her life and, and imagine how better it mm. would be or write to all of her serial killer pen pals. Yeah. And... It's interesting and I mean, it's part of me is like, well, this is what I want my utopian future to be. I want weirdos Mm. with strange interests to get to go on the starship too. That's good. I want Mm. Starfleet Mm. to not be military and to actually include a bunch of scholars and even not just scientists, but social scientists and historians. Like this is, these are all sort of like on the surface really good things mm. that mm. I want it's just this particular character it's like mm. why'd she have to give us this <laughs>
0: why does she have to represent me yeah, of, like, yeah I don't want that <laughs> and the thing is like she really <laughs> doesn't seem very busy like even if she's not doing active historian work As part of her ship duties surely she would be researching or writing papers you kind of get the feeling that she did a history degree because oh they just have such great statues lol and isn't really engaged with it on on an intellectual level again why is she on the Enterprise she doesn't ever actually bring anything to the conversation in this
1: episode no she is actively sort of like unhelpful <laughs> yeah exactly she just is like "Ooh, ah mm. i like this but she doesn't tell kirk or anyone else anything about Khan that is
0: like useful
1: to no. the situation
0: no we see a ship's historian a second time in early next generation in the big goodbye when Picard is like, I'm going to justify the amount of time I'm spending in my Dixon Hillm holler novel by bringing the ship's historian <laughs> in so he can treat it as like a source. And it's like, okay, I'm going to get my Roman history professor to watch Rome with me. Props to Jean Luc for coming up with that. Oh, yeah, that's nice. a great
1: excuse. But, but yeah, that guy is also pretty useless. <laughs> I mean, that's not
0: his I mean, job. Part of it is
1: like... It's an, exactly nothing that happens mm. is is anything that he can help with because these are not historic. No, <laughs> they're historical documents. But um, but it is also like, you know now that you now that you're saying it like Dixon Hill isn't even it wasn't even written in the 30s. No, right? it was like no. in Picard's time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Now I'm mad about it. But again, (laughs) it feels a little like they're making fun of historians. And I don't like that.
0: It kind of does, because as much as I love the idea of a historian on the flagship, I kind of feel like that's not where they're best used. Like, the flagship is going out and making history, and you would be better off having a journalist on board.
1: I was going to say, I think the historians belong on... The Cerritos and yes. their the second contact ships. That's mm. where the historians
0: belong. Oh my gosh, yes, <laughs> that would be fascinating. Okay, dear Mike McMahon, please bring in the Cerritos ships historian. They can be as weird as you like, but we want them to be good at their job. I hope I get to see him in person sometime soon and tell him so. <laughs> please do. Please tell him that we love him. But so
1: related to how many serial killers Marla's in contact with is her quote unquote romance <laughs> with Khan that is just it's gross not all the way down
0: <laughs> on earlier viewings I've been like this is incredibly rapey but I actually think it's a little more nuanced than that and it's more like playing out Marla's rape fantasy with her consent which is fine, yeah. no judgment except that this is a literal mass murderer a literal continental level dictator that she is fantasizing with and about
1: yeah and all he has to do is touch her hair (laughs) and she's like i'm gonna throw away my entire career yeah for you yeah i'm in i'm i'm in four thousand and that isn't a good look
0: no it
1: is not a romance it but, is but they both think it's a romance that's what both makes it weird
0: romance.
1: that's what makes it weird yes <laughs> and then again in wrath of khan his entire motivation is my wife died yeah it's like okay your wife that you knew for like four
0: days that wife i mean you do a mutiny together that's <laughs> a bonding experience i guess i guess doesn't she canonically
1: die within like a year of being on that planet? Like,
0: Yeah, I have no idea. They don't
1: even get to live. Okay. So yeah. Mainly, I just want to say, I don't think it's a romance and we, sh- I, I don't think anyone does romanticize <laughs> it, but I just want to say don't. And it relates to your description of her as a trad wife.
0: Because we shouldn't romanticize that either. No, it's culty and it's weird. And I was literally just reading about the number of murders of trans women and non-binary people by young women. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, just as with young men, there is a far right radicalizing force moving among young women. And that's dangerous. And they're
1: just really, really good at it.
0: Yeah. They know what they're doing.
1: And so we really need to get everybody out of this. We we've already given them too much mm, power. Yeah.
0: And we just <laughs> we just continue to. <laughs> I hope that I can watch Space Seed again in ten years' time and have a completely different take on Marla. She's a caricature, but she also seems a little too real right now. Mm. Your next question. Uh, how soon was Christine Chappell on the phone to Arm Nooney and Singh going, Hey, you are not going to guess who we just picked up.
1: And so my question is... Yeah. Now that we have Strange New Worlds, mm. does that make this episode better? Worse? Different? Does it
0: just blow it out of the water and not make sense? I think Strange New Worlds has broken space seed. Like, <laughs> Kirk barely knows who Khan, Noonien Singh is when they reach the Bodney Bay and, and revive him. And that doesn't work if he has been friends for a few years with La'am, Nuni and Singh. Likewise, Spock. Like, McCoy is right. the only person with an excuse. Right.
1: I agree. Let's go down the line.
0: Mm. Kirk, Spock,
1: Uhura. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, you know, Scotty's on that ship now, so. Oh, yeah. Who knows what's going to happen? I, no, yeah, it, it doesn't
0: it doesn't work (laughs) it doesn't make sense fortunately i think tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow saves us because we know that there has been so much messing around with this point in the timeline that it's not that strange new worlds is in a different timeline as the fanboys like to like to claim it's that Mm -hmm. space seed is in the next timeline over Yes, that's what I think too. I mean, every time they said 1990s, I
1: I just laughed hysterically. It was like 1992, 1997. It was all very, it's like, ha 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 ha, Mm. you know. So yes, this episode already didn't make sense. So it wasn't really Strange New Worlds that broke it because 30 years had gone by. So they they thought, oh, well, that's really super far in the future. It's like just what Deep Six Nine did with past tense is oh yeah, that's like, you know, that's like
0: 2024 forever. no one's no
1: gonna deal. get to 2024 <laughs> yeah and I love that line in mm. tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow that makes it clear that it's, it's sort of like the, uh, the terminator explanation yes. and yes. that we we keep trying and so we keep changing it but we never fix it so like that version of time travel but that just means and this is like the best thing for me, but the worst thing for those fanboys. <laughs> it just means that every version of Star Trek is a little bit in a different axis, and they don't have to always come together. And there can mm, even be like mm. episodes within the same series that oh. might be on slightly different timelines, and that's
0: okay. They're still all true. If you told me that consecutive episodes of the original series or Voyager were in different timelines, I would have no trouble believing that. There are whole sections right. of Voyagers' early fifth season that I assume happened to the coarse oblivion Silverblood people, not the main crew, mm-hmm. because otherwise it makes right. no sense that we never mention that again.
1: Right, it's all good. So I think, to answer my question, Strange New Worlds helps mm. because it makes it easy for me to say I don't have to believe in this space time timeline. <laughs> That episode doesn't,
0: doesn't mean anything to me. I actually agree. I think Strange New Worlds <laughs> breaks Space Seed, but it also repairs Space Seed. Like, I was never one of those people going, oh, they have 3D communications in Discovery. That means it's not canon. The stuff like, if these people know each other, how does this episode work? That keeps me awake at night. The slightly different alternate universe explanation works just fine for me. But I really like the idea that Marla and La'an have met because I feel like Marla seems like the type of person who would seek out the descendants of historical dictators. Like, she would say it's research for a thesis or something, but actually she would just be kind of weird and creepy. Yes, and the thing is that... Weird and creepy. The Marla MacGyver story.
1: (laughs) That... Laon would be uh, 0% interested mm. in any of that. Uh, and Marlo would be unable, like, she would try. She would start out trying to do that whole thesis thing and, and oh, you know, oh, well, you know, what a horrible, horrible person he was. Mm. Tell me more about how horrible mm. it is. Mm. But she would be unable to actually hide her admiration mm. of yeah. him. Yeah. And Laon would probably punch her in the face.
0: I feel like Laan is probably, like I'd say all of her family, the ones that weren't eaten by Gorn, are probably accustomed to having weirdos approach them this way because they haven't changed their names. It's like being a German named Hitler.
1: If my name was Hitler, I would change my name. In fact, my name was not Hitler and I changed my name. Right, you don't even need a reason.
0: Like, you just have to fill just out the form. Saying,
1: yeah. uh, again, I i saying, again, t- I know I've already gone on this rant, and so I will nope. not go on the rant again, but the social workers mm. who helped out La'an after her entire family was eaten mm. by Gorn yep. and did not change her name immediately mm. are horrible people
0: who are bad yeah. At their job. I firmly believe that the psych team helping La'an after that experience was led by Katrina Cornwell and I believe that because I don't think Katrina was very good at her job as a psychiatrist (laughs) I'm just okay first of all you just gave me a big idea oh please write it is it possible that there are men in this episode of Star Trek Like, we've talked for half an hour mostly about Marla, but I understand there might be some men in this episode. I mean, it's funny that I have very little to say about Khan. The most interesting thing about Khan to me is that Spock says he was quite humane as a dictator. He didn't engage in mass murder on the scale of some of the other genetically engineered warlords. And McCoy is like, how can you say something good about that man? And Spock's like, I don't think it's good. I'm just saying he wasn't as bad. And I think that is, again, a, a fairly contemporary sort of argument that we engage in, you know, about many historical mm-hmm. figures. But it says something interesting about Khan, that he was sufficiently charismatic and powerful enough that he didn't need to engage in mass oppression. But also... We never find out like what part of the world he was ruling. Was it India? Was it anywhere in Asia? Did he just take Australia? Because Australians are pretty lazy. Like, if you you make sure we have enough food and some sport, we're probably just going to let you do whatever you want.
1: I mean, look, America will let any dictator
0: as long as as you go
1: along with with the people. We need. Okay, I can't. I gotta get out of that. No politics. Okay.
0: I cannot speak for America, but I feel like for Australia, if you give us football and a Taylor Swift concert, we'll be completely fine. Like, this is not something I'm proud of. We're very apathetic as a nation, but... Weirdly, the worst conservatives over here in America are actually fighting with both
1: Taylor Swift and football at the moment. So there's something really, really wrong with America.
0: Yeah, because Taylor Swift and football kind of trend a bit conservative. Oh. Like extremely extremely mm. Taylor Swift is not a trad wife by any mm. definition, but you could like convince people that she was I think because she's like could... so apolitical because she says nothing on any so- subject. it's easy to impose your own values on her. She's a blank a, bl- a blank space and then you know she's like dating Mr. Fofall mm.
1: but they are like not conservative enough. Oh. there is an actual legitimate rumor that i mean not legitimate but like people believe it that she is working like with the cia to get biden elected
0: i mean first of all wouldn't that be the fbi not Um, to nitpick a genuinely batshit conspiracy theory (laughs) i mean probably the fbi too because they're also
1: against the fbi (laughs) what are we talking about I know it was about, oh, it was about Khan. Okay, yes. so, so Khan, do we even, like, yes, we don't know what he took over. The whole eugenics war mm. doesn't make sense to me on any level. Like, No. They do not go into any details. It all sounds impossible. And, like, I don't care. Okay, so he's Superman. I don't believe the eugenics war. <laughs> <I don't, laughs> that's why I'm just like, this, this episode is stupid. So... Like, they all took over their little place, and then they were like, we want there to be one, you know, like Highlander. And so they were all fighting against each other, and that's how we good
0: guys won? I don't know. And the thing is, like, eugenics is, like, I guess some people are trying to create amazing supermen or whatever, but they're not creating them to be warlords. They're creating them to be, like, soldiers. I can see how you get from point A to point B, but... This is the beef that I had with the Una episode. That's not really what eugenics is about. Yes,
1: that is definitely not what eugenics is about. Eugenics, which is real and exists, Mm. is about getting rid of things more Mm. than it is about creating things. Mm. I will say there is an
0: element of eugenics that is about if you are very intelligent and white and college educated and, you know have no chronic illnesses or disabilities, you should be having children with a similarly superior person of the opposite sex. Which is, again, the
1: trad wave stuff. And, yeah, yeah. And, like, fully those crazy people. Who... Yeah.
0: But also tech bros. <clears throat> Elon Musk has this weird eugenicist thing happening. And I was listening to a podcast about AI and cultism, and there is a lot of eugenics among AI tech bros and so that's interesting and again this is how we get from Brent Spiner to the Augments and all of that but it just it never seems to be fully thought through no and maybe that's good maybe we need that space to like make our own stuff up
1: again the eugenics where none of it makes sense and
0: it seems
1: like they didn't actually want (laughs) They weren't actually interested in any of that. That was not their point. And, you know, like, I respect that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Because they were telling a different story. So it's fine. The the history doesn't have to come in. But, like, again, why have a historian if you're not going to talk about
0: the history at all? Yeah.
1: I am not Marla, and Khan does not interest me.
0: (laughs) I suppose if someone, and I I know he didn't write this episode, but let's say it was Gene Roddenberry was like, imagine if you came across Genghis Khan in suspended animation you know what would happen if you woke him and his followers up and that's a really interesting question and i do think that spacey goes some way towards answering it but also it's an episode of television from the 1960s and they didn't even anticipate that anyone would remember star trek in the 90s let alone go Mm. hey we're not having a eugenics war right now so Mm. Go ahead. Oh, I was just intrigued by your your note that you're willing to concede that Spock and Kirk are flirty in this episode. Yes.
1: it. I, I was like, okay. So uh, mostly in the opening scenes and a little bit later on oh, when they're at that weird dinner. <laughs> but in particular, Kirk was mm-hmm. definitely coking the Spock. Yes. To get him to react, which I guess is a thing that I knew happened, but I always remembered it being as like McCoy needling Spock to be emotional and Kirk sort of being there and making comments, but not, I don't know. And in this, it was like, it was just Kirk being flirty. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I would describe it as flirty, but I still don't, I still think that he's being flirty as a friend. He's like, this is our relationship and it's we're we're besties who
0: flirt. Yeah. Look. That's you, just my take. I'm just saying. You don't have to ship it. You can see the evidence for it and not ship it anyway. You're allowed. People people just really I feel I feel like I'm not I, I am actually required
1: to <laughs> ship it. There's just there's this sixty years yeah, of yeah. pressure on me. The peer uh, pressure so is palpable,
0: but weird. to quote <clears throat> a former first lady of your country, just say no. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't quote her. Speaking of Tradwives, Nancy Reagan. Which brings us back to you. Reagan ruins the country. Yes. But On a happier note, do we think Kirk would make a good psychologist? This is something McCoy says to him, isn't it?
1: McCoy, after he sees Kirk reprimand Marla for being attracted to Khan and then sort of giving her an out about it because she admitted to it,
0: Mm. which that was an interesting scene. I really respected Kirk as a leader in that scene because sometimes, you know, you do have to pull someone who works with you up and go, hey, do a better job. Stop lusting after (laughs) the fascist. But also give them the respect of providing them with an off-ramp. Weirdly, multiple friends of mine are mediators, and one of the things they always say is, in a conflict, it's good to give the other person an off-ramp and a chance to mm. con- like to change their position to concede that they were wrong without humiliating them, you know? Let them mm. make the choice themselves.
1: Yeah, so this whole scene between Marla and Kirk happened right in front of McCoy. Mm. And afterwards McCoy said, you know, you missed your calling as a psychologist. And I was mm. like, hmm,
0: interesting. Let's unpack that a little. Annika, please write the <laughs> AU where James Kirk is the ship's counselor. I will one hundred percent do okay. Yeah,
1: you know, I have to think about I have to think about that, but I like it. And I like intellectual Kirk. Yeah. Always. Like I just mm. really like it when everyone acknowledges that he's super smart. Yes. And <laughs> And that that's what makes him a good leader and a good captain like mm. person. It's almost like with Khan in that, is he a good leader because he's smart? Is he a good leader because he's charismatic? Is he a good leader because he's strong? Like, what are those things? And I think it can be easy to look at it and say, well, if you're going to build an army and take over the world, then you have to be forceful. Mm. And that's the way that you do it. And so... If that wasn't the way that he did it, that's interesting. That's more Mm. interesting. Mm. Because you also have to be charismatic. Like, people don't just follow out of fear. They're actually more likely to fight back
0: out of fear. Mm. That's sort of what makes Hitler unusual as a historical dictator, that he was not... He was a very powerful speaker, but as a person, he was not especially charismatic. Save that he developed a sort of magnetism as he became more powerful... But you strip that away, and he's just a weird little guy with a comb over and some very bad opinions. Again, when we get to see Kirk being not even like clever, mm. but actually smart. He he's intellectually clever, but he also understands people.
1: Yeah, he has a people thing.
0: Yeah, and he likes people. It stands out that he doesn't like Marla because usually he he seems to really enjoy the company of his crew and everyone they meet along the way. Right. And it's interesting that he doesn't respect her, but he treats her with respect. Absolutely. If I was going to do some sort of, you know, management lessons from James Kirk, that is something (laughs) I would point to. You don't have to like someone you work with, but you should treat them with respect, even if they're a trad wife. Right. Maybe especially if they're a trad wife. Because again, you have
1: to give them that offer. I know everyone says we're supposed to treat people we don't. Agree with poorly mm. by default, mm. but I think we need to have those conversations, or they're just going to take over the world.
0: Honestly, I think Khan and Singh would be a better leader of the world than Donald Trump.
1: <laughs> I'm
0: just putting that. I out see. There. I don't want to
1: have these conversations, mm. but I mm. mean,
0: mm. at least Khan is smart. Yeah. Unfortunately, Khan would never win the Republican nomination because he is not white, but... (laughs) Anyway, let's talk about the sleeping nets. I do enjoy a world dictator who sleeps under gold mesh. They're just hilarious to me. Mm. The costume designer was like, okay, so we have
1: a ship full of like 80 people Mm. who are from the 90s and they they're they're asleep for all these years and they have a you know low heartbeat and they're not dead but not alive. Mm. What should they wear? And like if it were me, I would be mm. like a tank top. <laughs> <laughs> they should wear military skibbies mm. like in aliens. Mm. Because that's normal.
0: No. <laughs> but gold no mesh.
1: gold mesh. Legitimately looks like they are wearing lobster traps, like
0: sparkling lobster traps. When people talk about the campness of Star Trek, this is what I think of. This is a serious business episode about power and control and leadership and gold mesh. Gold mesh! Just, just Also sometimes you just need a bit of gold mesh like in my manuscript i have ai's that like live inside wristbands and project a little hologram into your hand to talk to and then if a bad guy needs to like take that ai AI offline they have like i literally compare it to glow mesh the stuff from the 80s that just (laughs) wraps itself around those wristbands and locks them off and I, I'm mm-hmm. bad at naming things, but I was like, yeah, <laughs> this book is set in the 80s, so it definitely looks like Glow Mesh. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah,
1: I approve of the evil mm. Supermen's.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. They were like, no, we, we need to make a statement. Someone out there has definitely cosplayed <laughs> the sleeping super people, and I respect yeah. them very deeply. For Respect it. them. I love it. It's, yeah, it was just—it's very—it's delightful. And then finally, you have a note here that says Marla hair discourse, and I, my first reaction is ew. But please explain. Yeah, it's really entertaining to me. So
1: Khan, he meets Marla and immediately is like, "Your hair is wrong. Let mm. me fix it." Mm. And he starts playing with it, and she has a elaborate. 60s mm. updo, like yeah. everyone yes. in the original series, and he, I guess, is suggesting that she take it all down and it mm. be natural mm. and and mm. light and fluffy,
0: which she later does. He starts unpinning it without asking her, and that is such a pickup artist move. Like, oh, I'm sure he's a pickup artist. Oh, one hundred percent,
1: one hundred percent. Write a book about mm. how I got Marla, and you can too. Yeah, and yeah. it would be all about how he just straight up, like I am not joking, of meets her and does this. Yeah, yeah. It's it is the ultimate like, nig. Oh, you're here. Let me fix your hair. Mm. And I'm sort of like, did they take like multiple takes of this and they just didn't want to keep putting her hair back? (laughs) He's actually bad at it. Oh, yeah. He doesn't really succeed in any way. And it's also not clear to me what he wants her to do until the second scene where she has all her hair down. He's like, oh, you changed it for me. And I'm like, oh, that's what you wanted.
0: Okay. I didn't get that. I feel like Um, that is as far as he was able to get before running into the interlocked pins and wigs that clearly went into that hairstyle. My best friend is very into sixties fashion and one of her hobbies used to be buying wigs and buying falls and recreating those hairstyles and there is so much fake hair happening in in those styles absolutely so the the discourse is beyond
1: just ew to all Mm. of that is it's fun to look back (laughs) you know now that we're in 2024 to look Mm. at, at her updo mm. and see that as like too professional
0: yeah yeah that is too uh, which 100
1: this the subtext is mm. that right she is not a wife wifey mm. like mm. He, he wants her to be a wifey and she is being a businesswoman yeah but her businesswoman is is something that if anyone wore today to like a conference yeah. or whatever or to you know if they were a lawyer and went to court in
0: that <laughs> no one <laughs> would take them seriously by any stretch no, of the imagination, no. and you know no one, no teenager, let alone an adult woman, would wear a skirt that short in twenty twenty four. Oh my goodness! The beginning scene, Uhura was sitting in the back, mm. and it was
1: straight up like at her waist, <laughs> like oh yeah, her yeah, entire butt was was out. Yeah. I was just like, yikes! Like this is not.
0: How it should be. No, you shouldn't <clears throat> have to match your underwear to your work uniform unless you're like working at a place where you've agreed to that and it's part of the job. But yeah, I understand the historical context of the mini skirt and all that, but I also think people need to remember that the Star Trek mini skirts were mini even by the standards of the 60s. They were extreme. And also, just i again, that they are at work. Yeah. Yeah. And there should just
1: be I don't know, I wear costumes to mm. work. So I'm not saying you can't wear whatever, but the the juxtaposition of there are all these ranks and there's all mm. these rules and everyone has a duty and Uhura has just as much authority as everyone else on this mm.
0: bridge and what she's wearing. Yeah. Is yeah. is, is it it's jarring. At the convention I went to last year, I met a woman who had made a TOS uniform from an original pattern. So it was completely perfect. You know, those complicated seams that are on the front of the women's Mm -hmm. uniforms. She had all of that. And she was like, yeah, I added two inches to the skirt because I just couldn't go out like that. And it was still a very short skirt. She was just like, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But it's just delightful to me that Marla's Extremely 60s, extremely overdone, extremely mm-hmm. feminine air <laughs> was too much for Khan.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's a red flag right there. I realize the man has a whole like biography of red flags, but... <laughs> he, he just is a red flag. Oh yeah. Red flag. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I would like to know more All about right. Khan's first wife, now that we know that he has living descendants. Like, hmm. what happened to her? Was she an augment? Was she just another trad wife that he found and liked? This is another
1: thing. So, how many generations are there, do you think, in between 1990s con or I don't we'll know. Even 20, 2020s cons? Call them 2020s mm. con because he's a little kid there, right? So, yeah. we'll even go to 2050. <laughs> we say about eight, maybe ish. No. I'm bad at generational math. Well, I don't. I don't know when extinction what else happens, mm. but so so twenty fifty to twenty about twenty two fifty, so two hundred years. So yeah, I mean, long, let's give them a little bit long. Five, let's call mm. it five generations. Mm. How did that happen? <laughs> how, are, how are the augments? How are the augments? Like if the audience took over and then we got the world back did they just join the pot like I, i'm that's cool okay great did they, they join the population and My... or did they like rape bump of people while they were at I mean, war and that's I... where the babies came from again change your
0: name yeah but, uh, so i i don't understand The impression that that I got from Enterprise was that most of the augments and the warlords and whatnot were maybe executed or something and then a bunch of fetuses were found in storage and Brent Spiner stole them and took them and raised them. But La'ana's here, so we know that Khan himself had a family, a biological family. A biological
1: family that they, like were proud of mm. because they kept the name yeah like frankly la'an, change your name you don't like him you can do it it's okay <laughs> if you don't like the family you came from you don't mm. have
0: to keep mm. them and i briefly wondered if it was some sort of filial piety thing that la'an keeps the name but la'an is not a chinese name it's not a name from any culture, because for some reason modern Star Trek just looks at Asian women and gives them a set of syllables they've just pulled out of nowhere. Like, Soji, Daj and now La'an. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, change your name, girl. Change your name. Change your name. What if she changes her name to Kirk the way Rey becomes Skywalker and she doesn't marry either of the brothers, she's just like, Hey, I've decided to become part of your family now. Cool. I support her 100% in this.
1: And frankly, La'an, if she wants to be a Skywalker, she can do that too. I'm too big. Yeah, you know what? Good job, Ray. I am proud of you. I hate that scene, and I'm still super proud of you for saying, "No, I am not going to be a member of that family. I'm going to be a member of this family."
0: Sorry, did we have an episode titled "Laan Skywalker"? I feel like we may have an episode <laughs> I think we back. Did. Yeah, like early in Strange New Worlds. <laughs> anyway, go us. We are so smart. We are so consistent. Thank you for listening to AntiMatterPod. Pod. You can
1: find our show notes at antimatterpod.com, including links to our social media, credits for our theme music, and transcripts of our episodes. You can follow us on Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, and Blue Sky all at Antimatterpod, and on Mastodon at antimatterpod at tenforward.social. I am not good at updating these socials. I'm just saying. I apologize. <laughs> but follow us anywhere. <laughs> if we get more followers, maybe I will try harder. Or just follow us.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just follow us as individuals.
1: If you like us, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume your podcasts. The more reviews, the easier it is for new listeners to find us. We are back... (laughs) <laughs> on Spotify and other podcatchers of choice. Yes, we Good briefly Liz.
0: We briefly got knocked <laughs> off Spotify altogether, but we're back. All 160 odd episodes are up in all of the places. Thank you to the person I on Mastodon whose name I've forgotten but who told me what to change. Very grateful. Uh, not so grateful that I remember to write down your name. Join us in 2
1: weeks when we will do de- yeah. Join us in two weeks when we will be discussing the First
0: Duty and Lower Decks. That will be incredibly fun and uplifting and not sad at all. (laughs) Not sad at all.